All right. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, our church. I'm Eugene, one of the elders here, and it's it's my privilege to be here this morning. Pastor John is out of town. He is attending a wedding in Alberta, so uh, I'm filling in today and share the message. So we're continuing on our series on the fruit of the spirit from Galatians five. And today we go look at the virtue of patience. So when Pastor John asked me to, to speak on patience, I, I, th- I was wondering how am I going to share about patience? Because I, I lose my patience all the time. I, driving, like last night I got stuck in traffic downtown because I didn't know there was a Canucks game that ended. And I, I was so frustrated. I didn't expect to be in traffic at 10 o'clock at night, (laughs) and I was in traffic. So I lose my patience when I'm standing in line at the checkout stand, at the bank. So how am I going to speak about patience? It's kind of like asking somebody who is colorblind to work in a paint store. How am I going to help people in that? But Philippians 4.13 said, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. So here I am today. So the message is for me, is a challenge for me as much as it is an encouragement for you as well. So Paul calls the people in Galatia to live by the Spirit. He said, living by the sinful nature will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm going to do my click here. (laughs) Patient. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Let us pray. Father, we welcome you in this place this morning, Lord, as we come together and worship. It's a blessing that we have a place here that we can gather together to receive the encouragement of your Spirit, Lord. As we look into the fruit of the Spirit this morning, Lord, We ask you to speak to each one of our hearts, Lord. As we know, patience is a struggle for for many, Lord. We ask you to help us see how your word and your spirit could help us to walk in in your ways that we can be patient and to emulate the fruit of the spirit in our lives, Lord. So, Father, help me this morning as I share the message that your spirit will lead me to speak your word, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Click. <laughs> okay, I structure my my apologize for PowerPoint slides, but I structure it as is the you know what, why, how type of uh, slide deck here. So a culture of impatience. Click. <laughs> okay, in uh, Lewis Carroll classic novel uh, Through the Looking Glass. Alice, you know, Alice in Wonderland, you know, she was walking through the, the garden of the talking flowers 
and then she came across the Red Queen. And the Red Queen took Alice for a race through the forest. And so Alice was running with the Red Queen, but she was noticing all her surroundings, the trees, the forest, they're not changing. She was running, 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 but nothing seemed to change in her surrounding. So Alice said, well, in my country, said Alice, still panting a little, you generally get to somewhere if you run very fast for a long time, as we have been doing. So I can't do the British accent, but it's a, a slow kind of country, said the Red Queen. <laughs> now here you see, it takes all the running that you can do just to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you have to run at least twice as fast as you can. The term Red Queen Country is often used to describe how things change so fast in the business world, in science and technology. You have to run so fast just to keep up. Things are changing so quickly. If you really want to get somewhere, you're going to have to run twice as fast as your maximum speed. Do you find yourself in Red Queen Country today? in our society? Are you running so fast just to keep up in your work, in your home, raising your kids, daycare, doing all those things? You're running just to keep up, but you don't feel you're getting anywhere. Technology is great. It helps us to get access. We can communicate with people across the globe on Zoom. We used to have to mail a letter. We can communicate instantly. We can order our dinner from Uber, all arriving at your door without any social contact. You don't have to see anyone. I can watch my movie on demand. We don't have to read books anymore. We have our iPhone and we just kind of scroll through it, swipe it every three seconds, right? And we want to multitask just to squeeze a little more our life. So this rhythm, this rhythm feeds our demand for instant results, instant gratification. We expect that all our needs are provided instantly, right away. But what happens when that does not happen? How do we cope with that? So we can react, react very harsh to people when things are going too slow, like when I'm in a traffic jam. We get mad at people for not responding quick enough to our email, our messages, our social media posts. And I, me, I often rush through my conversation with people. I lose interest. My mind has already wandered off to the some next thing. I'm not paying attention. We live in this now culture, a culture of impatience. But what gives me the right to behave like an impatient fool? We're all busy people, right? Unlike stealing, adultery, murder, it probably feels socially acceptable to say I'm impatient. 
Yeah, sure, I'm impatient, but so is everyone else. So treating other people with short temper, jumping into conclusion, blaming people, treating them less important than my own schedule, my plans, my agenda. Impatience is really linked to how we see ourselves. It's about me. I'm the one that really matters, right? So when you start peeling off the, the onion layer of impatience, what you will find inside is really selfishness, self-centeredness, a lack of regards for other people. So we live in this now culture is really is a me culture. It's a matter of our heart. So Paul wrote to the in the preceding verses that we were at, like <laughs> Okay, thanks. It said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use the freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for in the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as, your, as oneself, Galatians 5, 13 to 14. So we seek the welfare of others. Seek the welfare of the city. Like Deborah and her team, the Compassion Ministry is seeking the welfare of the people in the city who are more uh, disadvantaged, who are maybe on the street, who are in need. Or Mike and the team with the Don't Go Hungry program, where you seek the welfare of those who are in need for some, some groceries, some food. Or like Robin just mentioned about the clothing uh, drive, providing needs for newcomers in the community, right? Finding compassion to, for others, being patient is loving your neighbors instead of focusing all on ourselves. Click. <laughs> Okay, why? We have a class of culture here. Let's look at the context as Paul wrote to the Galatians. Paul used to be called Saul. He grew up as a, taught by the, rab, uh, the top rabbi of the day. He was a Pharisee, and he persecuted the early Christians, the early follower of Jesus, until he had his dramatic encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life was radically transformed and he became Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul for the gospel of Jesus Christ. His but in Acts 23, 6, Paul said, he said, man and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am being judged, Acts 23, 6. Why did he say, I am a Pharisee and not, I was a Pharisee? Paul continued to identify himself as a Pharisee. Now today at church, we often talk about Pharisee, and they're usually the bad guys. They wear the black hats, and you know, they're the hypocrites, right? 
But Pharisee at that time was just one of several religious sects in the, in the community. They were the teacher of the Torah, the law. They have uh, the keeper of what they call the oral tradition. They ran all the synagogues. Te being a Pharisee or teaching the law is not a sin. How they acted and treated other people was the real problem. Paul kept his distinct Jewish identity as the Hebrews are Hebrew, he called himself, and he called himself a Pharisee. You see, during the time of Jesus, during the time of Paul, there was a cultural polarization in the Jewish community. And the Judaism of that time was being redefined by the culture and the society of that day. One part of the Jewish community adhere to the Judaism, the traditional uh, Hebrew scripture, the Torah, the prophet, the writing they call the Tanakh. The other part of the Jewish community were being influenced by the Greek, the Hellenistic thinking. They were the proselyte, they changed ship. They were kind of like the, the hipster, they were the Starbucks latte, they were the progressive thinker of the time. So they were influenced the Judaism with the, what happening in the culture. Uh, Rebecca Brimmer kind of summarized, there's a difference between the two viewpoints. The Hebrewic lens of the world versus the Hellenistic, the Greek lens of the world. In the Hebrewic lens, there's a strong emphasis on function how it should be done. In the Hellenistic lens, it's emphasized on structure and appearance. So what do you think? In the Hebrewic view, it's emphasized on righteous action, and the Hellenistic is more in religious theory. The Hebrew view is, will ask, how do you live this scripture, versus the Hellenistic view is, what do you think about this scripture? The Hebrew lens would focus on being theocentric, God-centered, and monotheistic, only one God. The Greek Hellenistic view is anthropocentric, which is man-centered, polytheistic, many, many gods. The Hebrew lens focuses on spirituality, and the Hellenistic lens focuses on sensuality. Beauty is to be worshipped. Hebrew, Hebrewic lens is to look at world to prepare oneself for a life of service, whereas the Hellenistic view is to have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. So how to live it out or think about it? You all know the Nike sport company is named after Nike, the goddess of victory. Here's the irony. What is Nike's slogan? Just do it, right? But if Nike wants to be true to the, the Greek heritage of the namesake, their slogan should be, just thinking about it. Thanks, Davey. <laughs> right? No action. Click. The Greek, 
the Roman thinking, a lot of similarity, Stoicism. Here's from a daily Stoic website. It says, Stoicism focused on organizing our thoughts, our emotion, our behaviors in a manner that cultivate tranquility. Therefore, compassion and that Stoicism promote is not primarily concerned with social justice and system change, but instead focused on personal transformation. It's very much about personal betterment. So why do I bring all this up, all this background here? We have a very, very different worldview. One view comes from Jerusalem, the other view comes from Athens. And they have shaped Western thinking for over 2,000 years. And this dichotomy still exists today in our culture. You have a Judeo-Christian value to love God, love your neighbors, versus the Hellenistic worldview to love oneself, focus on the inner person, understand the physical world. So this Hellenistic viewpoint was very prevalent and influential during Paul's time and was dividing the Jewish community. So Paul warns about pursuing just for ourselves, our own desire, our flesh. He says in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, and some of the preceding verses from the one that we opened with, he said that that leads to adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, and so on. He said, living like that will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul called the first believers in Galatia and for all of us not to assimilate in what the culture is telling us, but pursue and live the fruit of the Spirit in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This was profoundly countercultural 2,000 years ago, and it's still the same today. Loving God and having compassion for others, being patient, promoting social justice, are rooted in our Judeo-Christian faith, being light in darkness. So how do we cultivate this fruit? We often in our lives like to compartmentalize things. You know, this is work, this is home, this is friends, and this is colleagues. We pick and choose things that we like and we, what works for me, and I focus on those, but I ignore the others. But Pastor John and Pastor Andrew has already speak about that there's only one fruit. It has nine attributes, but there's only one fruit. It's singular. All nine attributes, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control make up one single fruit. They are all integral with each other. Ashur Hauer uh, explained that, but it's important that the authors of the New Testament were Jewish men who view the world 
Hebraically, their worldview was one of integration, looking at life and all as part, as interconnected unit, the individual, his family, his community, his nation, and his God form one synergetic whole. Whatever impact any part of that whole impact all of it. So we cannot pick and choose which part of the fruit that we will work on and leave the other one out. We are to bear fruit in how we live. Okay, so I kind of got that off my chest, and now I can start the sermon on patience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, I'm going to get the hook. <laughs> All right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Patient. Okay, in Hebrew, which I'm going to mispronounce, it's called savanut. It means to tolerate, to suffer, to bear, to carry a heavy load, like waiting, persecution, being in opposition, or facing opposition, uh, being mistreated, having lack of response from other people, have unmet expectation. In many Bible translations, patient is called long-suffering. In the ancient world, only the people on the bottom of society, the lowly folk, the subordinate, the servants, slaves, uh, the rejects in society, they have to learn to live with patience. People at the top of the pyramid, the pharaohs, the kings, the emperors, uh, the nobles, they don't need, have to exercise patience. What they want, they get right away. But for most people, they have to live with patience. They have to suffer. So patience is forbearance, cultivating the ability to suffer. And the Bible is filled with many, many examples of patience, no, no matter where that person is in the social ladder. Noah he had to wait 50 to 75 years after God announced that he would pronounce judgment on the people. He had to wait that long before it actually happened, before the flood came. All that time he was spending his time building the ark. Abraham patiently waited for God as he walked out his faith, following God's instruction to offer his promised son Isaac as a sacrifice all this time wondering how this thing is going to play out. And God intervened at the last moment by providing a, lamb, a ram for a substitute. David waited 15 years. He was first anointed by Samuel to become king, but that didn't happen right away. 15 years. He was in the desert. He was being running for his life because King Saul was after him. It took 15 years before he actually ascended to the throne. He spent that time in wilderness waiting patiently. For 2,000 years, the people of Israel was in exile until God regathered them back to Israel in 1948. Patient is a hallmark of God's people because it reflects the character of the Father. Jesus used the parable of the prodigal son to show us the patience of the father. 
who waited each day, looking at the horizon, hoping his son would return. Our Father in heaven has incredible patience. He waits for us. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving inequity and transgression. In number 1418. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Second Peter 3 9. God wait patiently for each one of us. He hold back his judgment when we stumble and when we cause him pain. We are actually the burden that he carries. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of the fa our Father in heaven. And Jesus lived out the fruit of the Spirit when he was here on this, in this earth. All the attributes describe Jesus, Yeshua. He was patient with his disciples when they asked him all the silly questions, the wrong questions. He was patient with the Samaritan woman at the well as he unpeeled the layer of her complicated, mixed-up life. He was patient with Peter over and over again, knowing that Peter one day would deny him three times. The fruit of the Spirit was lived out by Jesus in the Scripture. So here's the lesson. We go look at the Old Testament story in Genesis of Joseph and glean from that some of the lesson about patience with Joseph. Number one is putting on the filter. Uh, my friend Jim here, he gave my family when where their kids were young, these eyeglasses. And these eyeglasses have pinhole in it, and it helped filter out the unwanted light and help you focus on the object that you're looking at. It's good for people with myopia to really exercise our eye, eyeballs, muscles. Often we have to have filter to filter out the wrong things, to see the wrong thing that we, we say. Young Joseph could have used, I'm sure you guys know the story of Joseph from Sunday school or at least watched the movie or the play. Young Joseph could have probably used some filters. When God gave him that prophetic dream when he was young that Joseph would be lifted high, he got so excited and he kind of blurted out to his brothers and his father, not realizing how offensive that would have been to them, right? The brothers were already jealous of Joseph being the dad's favorite son with that Armani multi or Technicolor dream coat, right? So young Joseph pushed all the wrong buttons and the father decided to kill him. They changed their mind at the last moment. Instead, they sold him off as a slave to Egypt. So having patience means that not just seeing things from our own lens, but 
try to think of seeing things from other people's lens to understand how they would react, how they would feel before we start expressing ourselves. Sometimes we call that having EQ. But without patience, there is no EQ. A man of knowledge uses his word. Oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. <laughs> Back to the last slide. Yeah, a man of knowledge uses his word with restraint, and a man of understanding is even temper. Proverbs 17:27. Okay, next slide. <laughs> Second is waiting is fermentation. There's a chorus from that Tom Petty song, "Waiting." Uh, I say, waiting is the hardest part. Waiting is indeed the hard part. It's most difficult when you're going through some really tough time in your life, when you're in, in, uh, in the dark time, in the valleys, when relationships are broken. But waiting is the time when God refines and defines our character. Joseph learned the wisdom of patience through trials and tribulation. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of making sexual advances, and that landed him in an Egyptian jail. And while in prison, he met his inmate, the baker and the wine steward, right? And then he interpreted their dreams for them, and he predicted, in, interpreted a dream for the wine steward that the wine steward would be released have amnesty. But he told the wine steward that do not forget him when he get released. But in Genesis 40, 23, it says the wine steward did not remember Joseph but forgot him. So Joseph had to wait. He remained in prison to watch for another two years until the, the wine steward finally remembered Joseph and put in a good word for him and call Joseph up from prison to help interpret a dream for the Pharaoh. So Joseph was released from jail, promoted into government, became a governor, right? Waiting shapes our character and it grows our patience. The best wine needs time to ferment before it can be appreciated. Now, I don't know much about vineyard. Maybe Alex knows. He's an Okanagan boy, so he probably knows more about that. But I understand grapes and vine, they actually they need to be stressed. They need to experience period without water. So they grow strong and hardy and produce really good grapes. Sorry. So, we need to experience those stress to help shape our character, our patience. The end of the matter, in uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 8 says, the end of the matter is better than the beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the laps of fool. Again, Ecclesiastes 7, 8. So God fermented Joseph with patience and wisdom when he was in Egypt. When Pharaoh asked Joseph to interpret his dream, Joseph was ready to honor God. 
He said, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desired in Genesis 41.16. Joseph had complete trust in God to deliver him, to provide for him when he's really tested in the center stage. Waiting for an answer from God can be hard. It takes faith, it takes hope, it takes trust. And these are the ingredients to ferment. So do you have faith? Do you have hope? Do you have trust? Number three, silent is golden. Do you ever find yourself responding to an irritating email or message? You quickly type a response and hit the send button. Only to regret it a day later for being so harsh and so rushed. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. When you find yourself in a contentious situation, wisdom may call you to step away from that boxing ring. Now when, when the famine hit the land of Canaan 20 years later, Joseph's brother showed up in Egypt to buy food. They didn't know Joseph was alive. They didn't know he became a governor. He saw this Egyptian governor standing there. They didn't recognize him. They bowed down before him. Joseph, remember his dream of all the sheep from decades ago that was bowing down to him? Finally come to fruition. All that waiting had paid off. The dream had come true. Joseph had the perfect opportunity to give that knockout punch to the brother for what they had done to him, right? Selling him off as a slave. But instead of revenge, God wanted Joseph to be an instrument of correction and restoration for his brothers. He had a divine purpose for Joseph from day one. Joseph did not reveal himself to his brothers right away. He waited three days and came up with this long, elaborate plan to test the brothers' characters and also to learn about the situation back home in Canaan. This whole plan required the brothers to journey back and forth from Canaan to Egypt a couple of times. It's covered under four long chapters in Genesis from 42 to 45. Joseph has to wait patiently for weeks and maybe months for his plan to unfold. Wouldn't it have been much easier if Joseph would kind of take off his mask and say, here I am, reveal his identity right away to his brothers. It wasn't easy. During this period, Joseph was overwhelmed with emotions. Upon hearing about his young brother Benjamin back home in Canaan, he heard about his aging father, they were alive, but he didn't act on his impulse. He had to step out of the ring. He went alone in a private place to weep. He could not help his emotions. He waited and waited until the right moment. During that time, he cultivated a process for his brother to, be, to find their restoration, their brokenness, and their re redemption. So having patience does not mean giving in 
to our emotions, our impulses, the need to fulfill our desire, to prove that I'm right, to quickly fix my situation. Having patience is silently waiting upon the Lord for his divine plan to unfold. So when, when Joseph revealed himself to his brother, he was filled with understanding, forgiveness. Sorry, yeah. He said to his brother, he said, Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great del- deliverance. Joseph comforted his brother and revealed God's divine plan. The Jewish writer, uh, Abigail True, said that, we must cultivate, as this Joseph, the ability to keep some of our dreams to ourselves for a while, to step away from our emotions when, when our when our emotions are overwhelming, so that we can deal calmly and respectfully with those around us. We must take the mantra of the Mano Elut, the high holidays period. These are the latter feasts in the Bible, the Yom Kippur. Psalm 27, the heart to heart and learn to murmur under our breath in even the trying moments. Mine is the faith that shall surely see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Hope in the Lord and be strong. Take courage, hope in the Lord. Psalm 27, 13 to 14. So having patience means controlling our impulses from acting out of frustration when things are not going our way, not going fast enough. Underlying patience hope. So the call, keep in step with the Spirit, as says in Galatians. The American pastor, uh, teacher, T.J. Jake says that, godly patience is like dancing. You must be able to respond with the rhythm, moving in step with God's timing, staying in sync with His direction, always following his lead. So here's the tension, right? We have a me and a now culture that tells us to pursue a now life, being self-focused, self-centered, selfish, being short-tempered. We fall our step when we start stepping on the toe or the lead. They turn a beautiful dance, a waltz, into a disaster, right? And then on the other side is the kingdom culture. We walk in step with the spirit. Walking is an active verb. We have to move. We have to take step. We have to dance. If our wheels in our car fall out of alignment, we have to go to the shop and get it realigned. We need to realign ourselves to the character of Jesus. The fruit of the spirit will reveal his character in our lives. His righteousness. Fruit doesn't appear overnight. 
It takes time to grow. It takes time to ripe. So Paul wants the Galatian, and he wants us to cultivate and ferment this food, the food of the kingdom, into our lives, which is being led through the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is given by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you should be saved. Romans 10, 9, period. Once we become a new creation in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and teaches us about the fruit of the Spirit, teaches us about the nature of the Father, the Son, so that our life can be transformed and we cultivate this fruit of the Spirit in all aspects of our lives, in our relationship, our friendship, our marriage, our parenting, our ministry, our careers. The me and the now culture want to define who we are and what to think and how we should act. But as sons and daughters of the living God, we are to live by the Spirit, a life expressing the fruit the love, the joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because that is the character of the Father. It is lived out by the Son, Jesus Christ. So let the Holy Spirit transform us with the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Because we, we are the image bearer for Christ. And we need to march and step in tune, in rhythm with him. So let us pray and I'll ask the worship team to come back up. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, Lord. Father, we thank you that you die on the cross for us, Lord. That we become a new creation in you, Lord. Let our old way disappear from our lives, Lord. And fill us with what your Spirit is leading us, Lord. Fill us with the fruit of the Spirit that we can exhibit your character in the people around us, Lord. That we walk in faith, in hope, in trust. That you have a divine plan for us. For every situation that we find ourselves in, Lord, that we trust upon you to give us that strength, the patience, so that we are long-suffering like you, Lord. We thank you for the time that you provide for us here on earth, Father, Lord. Let us use that time, Lord, that to honor you. The time that you have given us here is your time. So, Father, let us not be un- impatient, Lord, but use our time to glorify you, to give you the honor and the glory that we will Give the aroma of you in the world around us, Lord. Thank you for shedding your light upon us, raising us from the darkness. Help us to walk each day and trusting in you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. What a great word by Eugene on on patience. And you know what was coming to me as he was speaking is that in every dealing we have with the Lord, 
someone's patience is being used. Either it's our patience to wait on the Lord to fulfill things in his perfect timing, or we're forcing things and we're using the Lord's patience. And I think we all know which side of the equation we would rather be on. And I just feel like the Lord is, is putting a call out there to, to us as a church to be patient. There is a, a rhythm to the Lord's timing. You know, could Jesus have died on the cross and come back an hour later? Absolutely, 100%. He had the power. He had the authority. But there was a time to three days. You know, could Abraham, could God have spoken to him and said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your descendants like the sand. And it happened in that moment? 100%. But there was a timing to it. And... Abraham's a great example because we see what happens when we try to force the process sometimes, right? Abraham tried to force the process, and, and you have Ishmael. And God did some amazing things through Ishmael, and, and, and that was also part of, of a plan. But it, it's not always the original plan. And so, you know, I, I just want to put a call out to all of us that We need to put our patience, and, and patience in so many ways is like faith. We need to put our faith in the Lord. Because if we believe that he is going to give us eternity, then we have all the time in the world. We have all the time outside this world. So a couple moments now in this time and in this place can lead to very, very great things through us for the kingdom of heaven. But we need to, need to wait for his timing. And then when we know that timing is right, that's when we jump and that's when we go and that's when we say, praise the Lord, let it be done. So Lord, we just um, lift up to you. Lord, we, we see all of these nine characteristics of the fruit of your spirit and we know how much we run out of many or all of them each and every day. And so Lord, it just tells us how much more we need your spirit in us how much more we need to turn to you. It's not about us finding solutions. It's not about us even doing more. It's about us turning to you more. It's about setting our, our sights on you and leaning into your plan, into your timing, into your presence. And Lord, just as we speak about patience today, Lord, give us, give us that patience to know your timing, knowing when to wait, we talked about all these examples, Noah, Abraham, David. Lord, even, even you know, reading the book that I'm reading is Joshua. Joshua had to wait for 40 years in the desert because the rest of his people decided not to go in, decided not to take the land. And I can't even imagine how aggravating that would be. 40 years of waiting to see something because the people didn't believe in the Lord enough. But, Lord, we see his patience and we see what a great leader you brought out of that. You used that time not as, as waiting or festering time. You used it to build character, to ferment. And then we see great leadership that when they went into the land, Joshua made very few mistakes. And he led the people into probably one of the greatest moments in the, in the, in the nation's history. And so, Lord, we... Um, we just come and ask you to lay on our heart where we need to 
have more patience, more patience with our family, more patience with our friends. Lord, show us how to bring you into those relationships so that you go to work. It's not on us, but it's you doing the work. And so, Lord, we just lay all of this into your hands and, and lay all of this at your feet. And, Lord, we just declare that you are God, you are sovereign, and it is to you that we look to for our salvation, our love, our grace and mercy each and every day. Amen. Be blessed.